you want to entertain additional questions, I'll no. wait. I, I hear no further questions. Just Harsey, if you have a comment, please proceed. I do. Um, <clears throat> part of my concern with this case uh, is uh, uh, along the lines of what you mentioned, Governor. The, I don't agree that judges who impose sentences contemplate um, what the parole board will do. Uh, I think that oftentimes judges impose sentences based upon the statutory range. Uh, and as we have found at a number of district judges conferences, and as we have learned through the uh, Administration of Justice Commission, uh, there are many variables that affect uh, the parole board's decision uh, on these minimum sentences. I suppose those who are familiar with the criminal justice system would assume that no one will ever make their first application. But in this kind of a case, uh, what concerned me is uh, we had the hearing in December of 2005, and in July of 2010, parole was denied. Uh, I think parole is denied in these kinds of cases because of the nature of the case, uh, such that it is more likely than not that someone with this kind of offense is not going to get a very favorable consideration. If you look at this, um, the uh, parole was granted uh, to the third sentence. Uh, in in uh, June 7th of 2005. So the minimum sentence would have been five years. Uh, July of 2010, almost, um, well, actually over five years later, uh, on the third sentence, the parole is rejected. Uh, so what concerns me, and I think what this case illustrates from a systematic standpoint, is that regardless of what Judge White might have thought about a 30-year minimum term, when you factor in the parole board's decision about consideration of these, uh, that contemplation is uh, really out the window. Um, I think justice, if it is to be consistent with what the trial judge expected, would be at a minimum to allow the final two counts to run consecutive, or concurrent, I mean, in which case there would have been a base of years served plus five more years. Uh, but based upon the continuing rejection of parole, even the most recent rejection of parole, I think even doing that makes it highly unlikely that this individual will serve the 30 years expected by the trial judge. It will be well beyond that 30 years. And this is why I think that given the parole board's approach to these matters, that it was reasonable to consider this subject. And with all due respect to Mr. Owens, with whom I have a great uh, deal of respect in his arguments here, I do think there's a changed circumstance because we now have evidence of the fact that five years minimum into the third time after having been granted parole twice, parole was rejected. And I'm concerned about that uh, continuing to happen. And in effect, the six consecutive counts become a life-term minimum, period. So I think it's reasonable to consider the relief, and that's why I raised that question, and that's why I brought this case forward. Now I have a, a question for the board. Is 
the lot and Justice Hardesty, the, the lot. I'm trying to understand the logic, if any. Um, if you have two grants of parole and a rejection on the third, with the one superseding um, incident that the Attorney General brought up, what, what you know, what why will, why does one board say we're going to give you parole on the second sentence? Five years later, say no. We're not going to give you parole on the third. Do I have to say thank you for that question, Governor? <laughs> <laughs> it's a good question, though, and I don't mean to to trivialize it at all. Um, one of the things that you pointed out, sir, is that your research showed that over sixteen, uh, at least sixteen different commissioners have looked at Mr. Brillhart's case over the years. And I will tell you, I've never voted on his case, but have spent hours and hours with it. And, and there have. There have been 16 different commissioners over the last several times he's been seen to include four prior chairmen who have looked at the facts of this case and denied him. One of the things, and Justice Hardesty brought that up, we have, um, we ha I have had the opportunity to speak at the last couple of judges' conference, so I've had the pleasure of speaking in front of many of you. Um, when you have, what the board is looking at generally when you're talking about sentence structures, in, in this case, Mr. Brillyhart's six consecutive five to life years, five to lives, is we're looking at some point between five and life, is he appropriate to, to be paroled? So we don't, we, we've never perceived it as the judge is telling us, unless he has told us that, we've never perceived it that the judge is saying, I expect this person to be paroled. Um, at, at five, and in fact, there recently Judge Wilson specifically said to a, a sex offender, um, a rapist, um, I know I'm sentencing you 10 to five, but I'm putting on your judgment a conviction for future parole boards that I really hope you do a minimum of 20. So there's a, there's a, broad, a broad range there where, where the parole board feels that the judiciary is in general saying, this is what I've sentenced him to, please sometime between five and life determine when's an appropriate time to either parole to the street or to parole on to the next sentence. In Mr. Brillhart's case, it looks like he's doing an average of, of eight years on each of those five, five to life. And I can only um, speak from my own experience and having spent a lot of time with Mr. Brillhart's file and the cases of his situation, is that when you're talking about 16 different people at a minimum, having um, reviewed this case and interviewed Mr. Brillhart, um, they're concerned that if I send him to his next sentence at the minimum, that makes it that much closer for him to hit the street. And ultimately, the parole board's responsible in saying, when is the right time for public safety for this person to hit the, to hit the street? As recently, and, and Justice Seda had asked Mr. Brillhart a question about this, as recently as 2005, and I can't tell you that it's happened since then, he reported to the board that his victim and he were having an affair and that she was angry, and I'm going to tell your wife, who's eight months pregnant, that we're having an affair unless you give me money to buy furniture. And he was saying that as recently as, as his two, 2005 hearing. Interestingly enough, at that two, five, 2005 hearing, though, he was sent to that third sentence. So the parole board had, had seen that he'd done seven or eight years on that and said, well, you know, he has the four to go to. Let's send him on to the next one. In 2010, he is seen by um, another parole board because the parole board is in constant fluxes 
as to members. And um, they reviewed the past history of this case. They um, reviewed the case with Mr. Brillhart. And then um, Mr. Owens was very careful not to, um, for the sake of, of Mr. Brillhart's young daughter, to not go into the horrible circumstances of this offense. But um, they were horrible. And I mean, it involved her own two-year-old daughter um, being in the room and being taken out and, and the victim not knowing the, the safety of, of her own child. So you're talking about a new parole board looking at the circumstances again, seeing the history where it looks like seven or eight is where most people are comfortable with sending him to that next one, and then realizing that Mr. Brillhart is even closer to the street. And so I, I would suggest that is why that, that denial period that seems consistent with the past, the 14 people that considered him prior to that, um, when they said no with that first go around. I, I can't tell you what, I mean, I'm only one member. I can't tell you in 2013 what will happen, but I would suspect um, that in 2013 he would be sent to that fourth sentence. If, if nothing changes, I would suspect, based on, on what's been going on, and based on the fact that now he seems to be, after many, many, many years, seems to be saying more that, no, this wasn't adultery, it wasn't, it was my having a crush on her and then horribly sexually assaulting her. So if you want to look at it a plus, that's probably the biggest plus in the last several years is that there seems to be some acceptance of what he did to this young woman. And I, I hope that answers the question. Perhaps. I, you know, I don't sit in your chair. And when I look at this, I think, well, you granted parole on number two. If he's done everything he's supposed to do between two and three, why wouldn't he get that parole on number three? And then if he were to do what everything he's supposed to do and, and program like he's supposed to between three and four, why wouldn't he get to four? Whereas if the membership changes and they are seeing these facts like I have for the mm -hmm. first time, and I'm disgusted, but does that come into effect into account how that affects an individual on the parole board versus what they've done between two and three and three and four and four and five and five and six in all fairness absolutely it would I, I don't know that I don't know how the circumstance of the of, of the offense couldn't affect um, a new parole board member I, I don't know how they couldn't um, but they're also looking at him being closer and closer to the street so that's a consideration when you're up for parole, if you've done everything you're supposed to do within that five-year period, if I don't like those facts, I want to add on a few more. Well, statutorily, years. the offense facts are, statutorily, they're required to consider the facts of the offense. Yes, absolutely. But so, I, in other words, I'm not bound between one and two and two and three because they took that into consideration as well. No, sir. At, at, at each hearing, the facts of the offense are statutorily required to be considered. So you can be a model inmate and do everything you're supposed to do, but you might serve longer because you may, these facts are new to a new board member. You're not going to serve longer than the judge sentenced. Somewhere, somewhere in that but but I can't imagine that um, anyone not seeing 
seeing the case for the for the first time and having to put your name on on to whether or not you want him closer to the eligibility to the street um, yeah I think that 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 would be a, a big consideration okay. thank you I have yes, any other questions from board members governor uh, I'd like to make a motion to recounts um, um, <laughs> four, five, and six uh, concurrent with three. Governor, I would like to second that motion of Justice Hardesty's. And for the record, uh, I want to make uh, very clear, I don't think anyone in considering this request uh, uh, condones uh, the behavior that occurred here. Uh, nor do I take exception with the trial judge's approach or the district attorney's arguments. Uh, but I would point out that even on a concurrent sentence, uh, the very new members of any subsequent parole board have a life sentence that they can look at, whether they look at it in connection with consideration of a parole request on the third sentence or the sixth sentence. And it seems to me that there's a point at which a qualitative evaluation ought to be made about whether or not this man should go to the streets. That's the function I hope the parole board will make. And if I may ask, Justice Hardesty, your calculus of then what the sentence would be if this motion were to be granted would be a minimum of seven more years on the sentence because he would be... No, Your Honor, uh, he would be... Um, he would have served 23 by the time he gets to October of 2013. If the board believes, and in connection with a case like this, they're going to get a psychosexual evaluation uh, of Mr. Brillhart, which has not, I assume, has been conducted in connection with prior parole grants, but I don't know for sure, uh, has not been. Just as hard to see back before there that was that one change. Oh, he yeah. was seen by the psych panel like in 98 and they found him as a high risk to reoffend. They failed him when he was last seen and denied by the board. There was no psychosexual right. because it wasn't required. It was we weren't allowed to by law and that has since changed. Right. And the next time he is seen whenever that is will require a psychosexual evaluation. So when the parole board consider the answer to your question, Governor, is 23 minimum, but he's going to have to go through a great deal more at that time than he's had to in the past. Well, I, before I accept the motion, I want to be fair with this discussion. I, <laughs> listening to Ju Ju Justice Cherry with regard to the 30 years, I, I think that the, the trial judge had in his mind a minimum of 30 years before he could be released to the street. And I guess my point, uh, Governor, is is that the parole board can take that into consideration. They don't have to grant him in 2013. Uh, they can wait until he's served 30 minimum. But at the rate we're going, he's serving eight per, uh, which means he's going to serve 48 years on these six counts before he goes to the streets. And that assumes he's able to demonstrate adequate psychosexual evaluations and a numerous other factors that have to be satisfied for parole to be granted. I would like to give to the parole board 
the flexibility, but also the defendant the opportunity to demonstrate that he is uh, he's uh, should be considered for that relief. Yeah. And, and I'm not disputing any of that. I I don't know if I'm comfortable with four, five, and six being concurrent. Uh, perhaps five and six being concurrent. Well, certainly that would be consistent with the minimum, but I make the point that the minimum expectation of the trial judge does not match up with reality, uh, as you your questioning has demonstrated. Uh, and that's not particular or unusual to this case. It's true with respect to the whole system. And so... Um, I don't, if, if the parole board, when it considers him in October of 2013, feels that that's a predominant factor that should be taken into account, then they'll wait, make him wait another six or seven years. I also would add that for this offense, he doesn't get these credits that the legislature has been afforded. He does not get credits, and Mr. Mr. Owens made a comment about getting credits. That's true on some offenses, but that's not true on these offenses. Uh, they were never extended to uh, murder or A and B felonies, and only recently a number of B felonies. So there's no minimum credits on any of these. But does five years mean five years, or are there some good time credits that he does get off the five years? Is it five years? Five that years. has to be yes or no answer, by the way, well, please. He doesn't get any credits, uh, Justice Terry. Greg Cox, again, he doesn't get any credits towards the minimums of five years. Is, is five years means five years. Five years means five years, Your Honor. The problem is, excuse me, Justice Cherry, were you finished? Yeah. The problem with that is, is that five years doesn't mean five years. Five years means eight, or maybe nine, or with a new board, maybe ten. But the point is, with a five to life, the board has the choice in 2013 to make it another two, four, seven, ten, twelve years if it chooses to. The factor is, is the top end, the life end, gives them all the flexibility in the world, not only to determine when to grant parole, but also carry forward a lifetime supervision of this individual. And that's why I say, uh, Governor, one could say, well, run five and six concurrent and see what happens on uh, four. My feeling is one comes out at the same place. The parole board can examine that question in 2013 and if they're not satisfied that he's demonstrated an ability to get out, he'll be in, and he'll stay there until his next request. And if he's denied, Ms. Bisbee, it's three, two or three years, isn't it? In, in his situation, the maximum denial would be three years, and he could be denied anywhere from one to three. So if he's denied in 2013, he's going to do a minimum of three with no credits. I would like to associate myself with Justice Hardesty's remarks, but also add for the record that I was persuaded to second this motion by the governor's questions with respect to the first parole coming up, the second, and then the third. And as the composition of the board changes and new people are introduced to the horror of that event in this man's life, he slips back no matter how exemplary his record may be. And I appreciate the, the plastic fork episode, but what we're doing is saying this should be turned over to the psychosexual evaluation. He should have the opportunity to be heard, and he may end up doing life for the rest of his life. That could be the outcome. 
But I believe that Justice Hardesty's motion and the relief requested is designed to bring this into the parameters, actually and ironically, of the original sentencing judge. That's my reason for joining in this. I am not urging immediate parole in any way, shape, or form, but I do think we need to try to bring this into some semblance of um, that, that there is redemption and, and the possibility of a true consideration consistent with the original judge's sentence. Governor, I just have a quick comment. Yeah. Um, I'm curious, Ms. Bisbee, to what extent this discussion we're having today, and if we were to approve the motion that uh, Justice Hardesty is putting forward, to what extent does that weigh into the parole board's decisions coming up on the 13th? Do you weigh what the pardons board is doing, has done, and decisions that we've made? Absolutely. Um, and, and, there, and it can be perceived by, um, I, I want to be candid and give you all the information. It can be perceived by the pardons, by the parole board, that, that you're giving a direction that you want them paroled. And, and you know, some of you have been on the, on the pardons board for many years, and, that, and that's been a, if, if you say it, the parole board tends to do it. it. It didn't years ago, but it has for the last several years. And so that, that would be the only thing. And I appreciate all of your comments that even if we go through with this, um, we want to assure the parole board that doesn't mean we expect you to put them out in 2013, but we take, what you say extremely seriously. But I would like to weigh in on that. I have sat on this board now almost seven years. I can't think of one case in which we have made a motion in which we've granted relief, which made somebody parole eligible, not immediately, but now almost two years later. I think that sends an entirely different message. Uh, we have generally, when we've said we wanted consideration of parole immediately, we've said so. We want to make them parole eligible. Um, I can't think of an instance where we've granted someone the right to, to shorten the sentence, but extended that out for almost two years now before he'll be able to parole board. Um, the only other one I can recall, Justice Hardesty, is Mr. McKinney um, last June. Yeah, so, so absolutely, this is. To my knowledge, in, in recent history, this is the only second time such a motion's been made. I am um, still struggling between the comments made by Mr. Terry and the comments made by Mr. Owens, and I think the concern of all of us here, if I may be so um, bold to speak for us, I'm afraid that I'm sitting here hearing a situation where there may be certain crimes for which we might never offer relief unless we consider this case in a different light. Um, this, this, the facts of this crime are never going to change. They are always going to be horrible. But in my mind, and this is the problem I'm having, unless we decide where the legislature decides that there are some crimes for which they should never come before a board like this, then we're giving him, we might as well give him a death sentence. Or sentencing judges might be giving death sentences. And, and I don't think that's the policy that underlies our sentencing structure. And, and, and you, Mr. Terry, asked us to balance justice against where this man was and before 
and whatever he has been since and i'm deeply troubled by whether or not this is the type of crime that we are just never ever going to give consideration to because it's going to always be horrible my time is probably over but perhaps this will assist your honor when mr owens argues with his concept of justice he also puts it in terms of we have to create a disincentive for rapists so under his interpretation we rape case would never come before you never he could be an angel he could rescue every policeman in the facility it wouldn't make any difference you have to create the incentive to allow an individual to do better to learn to make progress so that whether it's you or the pardons board is going to give him that but you're making it impossible under this sentencing scheme unless you grant him the relief which Justice Hardesty is suggesting. Mr. Owens and my concept of justice is obviously different, but if you look at justice in a neutral sense, then you should grant redress consistent with Justice Hardesty. Why would he tell the parole board in 2005 that he was having an affair with this woman? Well, and then why would the parole board parole him? I mean, this is like Jerry. Let me tell you one reason. For, for a long period of time, the individuals that did the psychosexual reports would always classify you as high risk or moderate risk unless there was an acknowledgement or an acquiescence uh, or an acceptance of responsibility. That isn't the situation anymore. There are individuals that um, treat offenders and that prepare psychosexual reports based upon the fact that there's a denial. We entertain it in the justice system on a daily basis with nolo contendere pleas or guilty by way of Alford pleas. There's an acquiescence to it. So when you do those psychosexual reports, there's a certain expectation that you better say certain things. Now the truth is probably somewhere in the middle of all of this. His testimony was that there was, he was the, the neighbor, that they had a relationship, Obviously, there was, there's obviously other different testimony which Mr. Owens would indicate to you, what he told the police, etc. But really, what we're here for here is for that opportunity for justice. One of the interesting comments that I picked up on today, and maybe I was wrong, the closer you get to the street, the harder it is to get paroled. Did I hear that? Yeah. Mr. Terry, I don't want... Yes. To go into a new argument, but to, just to respond Thank to the you, question. Governor. Thank you. Uh, hey, Justice Douglas. I, I'm still troubled with this. Uh, a trial was had, a sentence has been passed, and we've talked about justice or more pertinently, mercy today. And I guess my question uh, two questions. One, the recommendation by the department is to deny. So I ask where you came up with that, but for the record, I am troubled because as we talk about the gentleman sitting before us, we almost start forgetting about the woman who was sexually assaulted. Director Cox. Sorry. Um, Director Cox, again, when I was looking at this file and we made the comment that we denied uh, parole grant because he got consecutive sentence prior, you know, I went back to this last night and I was looking at it again and we have a program called Stop in the Department, and I asked a question again this uh, today. I said, you know, 
how come how come he hasn't completed that? It's a two-year program. He's been incarcerated for a number of years. We had that program for a number of years. He hasn't taken, he hasn't completed it yet. He's in the second phase. He's got two more phases to go. Um, and then uh, with what Connie had said, the, the parole board regarding, um, you know, some things that he's comments in 2005. I looked at it and said, well, it, it at least looks like to me that he hasn't realized or hasn't taken consideration of what he did to that victim. Um, and, you know, just the consecutive sentence thing was one of the reasons that we did that. And then, you know, the fact of going through his file and looking at the, the horrific crime. So that, that, was, that was why I, I denied it. Thank you for the answer. Anything else, Justice Douglas? Okay. There is a motion by Justice Hardesty. To provide for the sentences for four, sentence four, five, and six to run concurrently with parole eligibility on the date in 2013. I don't have that exact date. Is that yes. accurate? Yes, Governor. That's the motion. Yeah. Justice Pickering has seconded the motion. Yes, Governor. Okay. Are there any questions or further discussion on the motion? Secretary, please call the roll. Uh, Governor, if I can just clarify, um, as you stated, uh, the it, the request is uh, that sentences four, five, and six run concurrent with sentence three, which is yes. the current active sentence, and the parole eligibility date in October 2013 would remain the same. Is that correct? Yes, Mr. Campion. Thank you. Justice Paragari? No. Justice Hardesty? Yes. Justice Pickering? Yes. Justice Gibbons? Yes. Mm -hmm. Justice Cherry? No. Justice Douglas? No. Je Chief Justice Seda? Yes. Attorney General Masto? No. Governor Sandoval? No. Motion to grant fails. Mentioning five and six. Thank you for your consideration. One, two, three. Governor, would you entertain another motion in this case? Jeff. I would. Um, I'd like to make a motion that uh, counts five and six run uh, concurrent to uh, count uh, four. I would second that motion. Justice Hardesty has made a motion that sentences five and six run concurrent with sentence four. Justice Pickering has seconded the motion. Are there any questions or discussion on the motion? Question. Same parole eligibility date? In 2013, correct. October of 2013 same, would... With the same parole eligibility date? Oh, sure. So just for clarification. He's got to finish serving yeah. his third. Sentence three would be parole eligible in October of 2013. Sentence four would be served and there would be parole eligibility if he's granted in 2013 would be five years the first parole eligibility date after that would be in 2018 if he's granted there he would be uh, granted to the street okay if uh, if i'm correct it's the the request is to run sentences six and five concurrent with sentence four but sentence four remains consecutive 
to his current active. Yeah, that's correct. Thank you. So that puts him at about 28 years total? Minimum. Yeah. Minimum. Mm -hmm. Before he's eligible. That's eight. So he would have a minimum of seven more years. So that's 20, so we'd be looking, he'd be looking at to the street 29 years. That's okay. And that's leaving full discretion to the parole board to act appropriate with what it hears and Twice. sees. Twice. Is that, do all the members of the board understand the motion? Yes. Well, so if he's paroled in the, in the 13th, then he has to come up in the eight, uh, 2018. That's correct. Yeah. And if he's paroled there, it's the street. That's correct. And if he's denied, then he, it's a one to three year wait. That's correct. On all the remaining sentences. Three year wait. I want to make sure this is crystal clear. What? Take a moment, uh, Mr. Capoletti, to make sure that we've sure. Okay. So just to this correctly, be sure that the motion. If if you would all turn to section one, it's the second page in section one. This is uh, Mr. Brillhart's current sentence structure. So what the motion is requesting is that his very last sentence, sentence six, and then sentence five will run concurrent, which currently are consecutive right now. They will run concurrent to sentence four. That's it. Right. Yes. Sentence four will remain consecutive to his current active. He will still be eligible to, to be paroled to sentence four in October of 2013. Hypothetically, if he's granted at his first hearing, he could be eligible to the street in 2018. That's my motion. Yeah. I, I just want to ensure that all the members of the oh, board no, understand, understand the motion. If, you, if you're asking me to confirm, that's <laughs> that was my motion. Right. So the, um, that's what I thought I seconded. Yeah, yeah. No, just to be clear, Justice Hardesty has made that motion. Justice Pickering has seconded. Any further questions or discussion with regard to the motion? Secretary, please call the roll. Justice Pickering. Or um, excuse me, I apologize. Justice Paragari? Yes. Justice Hardesty? Yes. Justice Pickering? Yes. Justice Gibbons? Yes. Justice Cherry? Yes. Justice Douglas? Yes. Chief Justice Seda? Yes. Attorney General Masto? Yes. Governor Sandoval? Yes. Motion passes. Thank you. Again, thank you for your consideration. You need a break. No. I guess the only ob I was going to make an observation that the sentencing structures get so complex when we get into these kinds of cases. Uh, the clarification is hard to make because there's so many uncertainties associated with what the parole board does and.
Cornell, we're going to wait until Justice Gibbons returns. The board will be in recess for. Yeah, since I'm losing it, till 20 minutes to the hour, till 2:40. I think we'll stay in recess. I think the chair is experiencing mutiny. I figured when you lost half It's always the last one to go. But I appreciate that. Thank no, you. It's just I. I know. I understood because there's a question. You can get a criminal conviction. So you got about to run again. Yeah. Got a conviction. Yeah. Yeah. You got a confession of judgment. That's what I heard. Yeah. I said, well. Yeah. But you made it very clear. So I thought. Well, I appreciate that. Sometimes you just have his mind made up. Yes. And said, there's not much <laughs> yeah. you can do about it. No. So. 